Welcome to the Steve Witt Podcast. Hey everybody, Steve Witt here, and we're glad to talk about the Word of God, the Bible, how it changes our lives. It can be so powerful culturally, how living the Word of God affects you in your personal culture, you, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your relationship with God, how you feel with your family, your neighborhood, whatever, workplace, and ultimately how you affect other places that you go as you become a carrier of the light of God. The Word of God, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I want to talk about standing firm on the Word of God. Everyone needs to know Scripture. It's not just out of some religious obligation. It's out of survival. Even this week in the United States, it's funny, I preached Sunday just a couple days ago on standing firm in the Word of God. I'm unpacking that a little bit deeper right now for the podcast. And since the time I preached Sunday and posted something on the internet, on, on Facebook, on Friday about the times we live in, some of our political atmosphere was rocked yesterday when there was a a raid on the former President Trump's house in Florida, breaking open his safe and looking for certain documents, leaving with 13, 15 different boxes, something like that, of information. And the shock it was, for the first time in history, as almost everyone said, this is a first where the FBI— went into a former president's house to retrieve something, evidence or whatever it might be, of some kind of wrongdoing. So in that, it matches so much with what I just shared on a couple of days ago on Sunday morning, that the Word of God sets in you and creates something solid. The Bible refers to it as a seed. The Bible refers to it as a rock. It is something that you can depend on, something that holds you, that Bible says in the parable of the of the uh, the building on the rock versus building on the sand. When you build on the rock, when the word of God is in you, and this moment comes, and by the way, it will come. I felt grief last night, uh, not just for the president, but for what it means to the country. As you know, I've been studying and looking at the fall of the Roman Empire and and really four ten A.D the initial overwhelming of the walls of Rome. I've been to Rome. I've seen where those walls were. I've seen the Colosseum. I've walked in it. You know, you're there, and it comes to my mind, and I think, what a shock it was to the Western world when the so-called barbarians come over the wall, burn, destroy, pillage, all that kind of stuff, and it's the beginning of the end of the Roman Empire. Actually, before that, it had started to end, but— it was a demarcation point, an inflection point that spoke to something much deeper. In your life, as these things happen, like what happened yesterday, and there's more to come. The Holy Spirit spoke to me several weeks ago, as clear as I've ever heard him, really. Uh, he spoke and told me that the, the next two years will determine the next 20 years in the United States of America. Obviously, I know that was something about election and leadership and things like that between this election coming up, which is for some seats in Congress, midterm election, and the great presidential election of 2024 is going to move us into 2026. 2026 is important 
because it is the marking point of 250 years of the American empire. And it is an empire. It is a worldwide empire that is never that overmatches any empire in the past in its extent, mainly because of internet and power and communications and all those things. Technology, it goes on and on. Great empire, 250 years. But are we seeing the end of this great empire called America? Or is there chapter two? And that's what I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me. What will chapter two look like in America? Is chapter one the beginnings? And chapter two is the end? Or are we merely flipping into a new passage of 250 more years up to the age of 500 of a nation that holds liberty close, is innovative, is prosperous, is power because of the lovely seeds that were planted in the beginnings of this nation? And this is not a perfect nation by any stretch of the imagination. There's major problems here that I will address in the podcasts ahead. But right now, we are facing a moment where are we turning the page into an amazing destiny for America? Or are we all abandoning ship into what was a great voyage and seeing the diminishing powers of a great nation? Imperfect, but benevolent, honoring liberty for most and many times all, and showing itself as an example to the rest of the world? That is the question. Whoever's in power in 2016 will be here for that page-turning moment on July 4th to July 5th of 2026 as we move from a nation of 250 years old to the next segment, Chapter 2. I prophesy that Chapter 2, the will of the God, will of God, our Lord Jesus Christ for Chapter 2, I believe, is for continued favor, grace, and protection to be upon this great nation so that we may minister to people all around the world and continue to be the greatest sending force of missionaries worldwide than any other nation before. Again, addressing our imperfections, racism that exists, inequity, impoverished, uh, poverty among people, how to tend to the poor and the weak and the broken and the hurting and the wounded, how to make for a better nation, how to care for our elderly, those that are on the edges, those that are older, those that are young, those that are minorities. How can we strengthen ourselves as a nation? That's coming up in the future. Right now, though, we face a moment that is an initial flashpoint. It was a shot heard around the world when the FBI went into the compound in Florida where the president lives while he was in New York invaded his property with, I think they said, 30 or so FBI agents, full weapons out, going in there, broke open the safe, found nothing in the safe as being reported right yet. But it is a moment in history where it appears like our current president is clamping down on his potential adversary for the great election of 2024. If that's true, if it's political— if there's no grounds for what just happened, no evidence deep in there, then this is a major problem for our country going forward. And it would portend and speak to a day that a great cleansing needs to come of the great divide and the 
institutions in the United States of America, like the FBI, the IRS, uh, and all the others that, that support us in one way or another as a nation. So looking at the Word of God, will you be able to stand in that? As we see these things happening, how did you feel when you heard about yesterday's news? Was it just like, oh, well, I'm sure it's just part of what they're doing? Or did it strike you as a historic moment? If it strikes you as a historic moment, you're realizing we are in a special time in history. I felt it. I mean, I'm not really old, but I I do remember when John Kennedy was assassinated. I remember the day I was walking home from school and a guy just pulled up a car, rolled out his window and yelled out and said, the president's been shot. I was like, I forget now. I think I was six years old, maybe. <clears throat> six years old, but a register. I remember the moment very clearly. I remember the moment when the space shuttle blew up. I remember the moment when President Nixon resigned. I was in a bowling alley, actually, <laughs> bowling, and it was on one of the televisions up there, and I stopped and watched it in disbelief. What is happening to America I remember when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and when Robert Kennedy was assassinated and the probably the person who would have won the presidency in 1968. Amazing, amazing man. But uh, things happen, dramatic things to shift, to change, to make us think. When President Reagan was shot in the, his first term. And uh, the bullet missed his heart by, uh, it was less than an inch. I forget what it was, but it was close. And that moment of wondering, what is going on in America? Are we such a violent people? We can't even contain peace in a right way. How are you going to be as a believer? Will you be a rock or will you be sand? Is the word of God in you? If the word of God's in you in this moment, the word of God will rise up in you and you will be a rock because that rock is the word of God. When Jesus called Peter to come to him on the water, you've probably heard it preached many ways. He walked on water. <laughs> Literally, he walked on the words of Jesus because the word was spoken. What was fluid became solid in the aspect, I don't know if his feet got wet or what happened, but he walked on water and he walked over to Jesus. And only when he began to look around at the circumstances, the wind, the waves, and the impossibility of what he was doing in that moment, only in that time did he think, oh no, <laughs> oh no, oh no. And he began to sink. Jesus reached down in that moment of fear and moment of doubt grabbed his arm, sinking in the depths of the Sea of Galilee, pulled him up. We don't know quite how that looked from there on, but they got back into the boat, and uh, he had an opportunity to walk on water, and he did. Why? Because he listened to the Word of God. How much more? How much more for those who bring the Word of God and hide it into their hearts? They feast on it daily. Lord, let your word come into my heart. Establish your law into my heart. Create boundaries for me, Lord, that when I face temptation, when I face fear, when I face a difficult moment that I do not understand about myself, my city, my neighborhood, or my nation, that I will stand strong. I will not look to the wind and the waves. 
I will fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. So anyway, I was meditating on that. I preached on it this past week, the power of the Word of God and learning to stand on it. I really encourage everyone somewhere in your life, get a life verse. I've got several of them. One of my favorites life verses is, shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Get something like that in your life that will propel you, will strengthen you, stand on it. I remember when my two of my youngest children, they're now in their mid, early to mid-30s, but when they were little and I started this church in the greater Cleveland area called Bethel, Cleveland, uh, specifically attached to Bethel Redding out in Redding, California. We love those guys. We run with them. But Bethel, Cleveland, when we started, I used to take my little kids to church with me and I, you know, kind of give my wife a bit of a break as we were on Sunday morning and they would come. They'd help me out as much as they could at age five, six, seven, and eight, that bracket. And on the way there, they were not thinking a lot about church then, although church was a lot of fun for them. They were thinking about lunch, even though it was like eight, seven or eight in the morning. And they said, Dad, can we go to Taco Bell after church? And I said, oh, no, no, we can't go to Taco Bell. We're going to get out late. Mom just put a roast in the oven. We're going to have a great meal together. So I tried to envision them, you know, I'm saying, you know, hey, uh, you know, it's going to be really good. And, and uh, But they wanted to go to Taco Bell. I said, well, by the end of the service, they'll forgotten about Taco Bell. I'll tell them about the roasts we're going to eat, and they're going to be very excited about it. Well, we go through the whole process. We set up for church. We're church planters, so you know how that goes. You show up in a building. You get inside. You get it set up. You turn the lights on. You get the stage set up, all that stuff. And you got teams helping you, hopefully, by that point. My little kids are helping me, and they're there, and it keeps them uh, from getting into trouble. And sure enough, four hours later, probably one o'clock in the afternoon, the service is over and we've torn things down. We put stuff away. We're ready to go out. We're pretty hungry by now. My kids come up and go, Dad. And I'm talking to a new person getting where, you know, who's considering coming to our church, which is why I stayed late every Sunday to recruit, talk with people, get volunteers, so forth. My kids come up though in the middle of that and they interrupt me and say, Dad, are you ready to go to Taco Bell? And by then I'm exhausted. I don't, you know, I preached. I, I just want to go home, have a roast, watch football, something like that, you know. And I turned to him and said, "Oh, not today, not today, guys. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do it another time." And they looked at one another in disbelief, like, "What? You said earlier that we would go to Taco Bell. I don't know that I ever actually said that, but I listened to their." desires. And, and I told them that mom's going to make a roast, you know, but anyway, they, they are incensed. Their voice is inflamed by what my promise was. And together they started saying, you said Taco Bell. And together they started going, Taco Bell, Taco Bell. And everyone, you know, who's still hanging around looking over at me, what is going on with Pastor Steve's kids, you know, Taco Bell, Taco Bell. And they were crying it out louder and louder. I said, okay, okay, okay. We'll go to Taco Bell. Woo! And they're excited. They're celebrating, you know. And on my way home, I was a little incensed by it. I mean, number one, Taco Bell. Number two, you know, my kids got me to go to it. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about it. And I felt the Lord speak to me and say, why don't you say that sometime? But the, what, 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 what do you mean? Why don't you say, hey, you said Taco Bell. 
and immediately understood what he was saying. I'm a little bit prophetic. And I understood he's saying, wait, when he's made promises to me as a good father, why do I not hold him to his word? Hold him to the promises of God. And so there was a few days after that because I was going through a difficult time, which most church planners are going through a difficult time. And so I'm driving through our parkway here in the city and I'm really frustrated. I'm praying, Lord, where are you? And all of a sudden, I was reminded of my kids Sunday saying, you said Taco Bell. And I remember as clear as a bell. That was like a morning on a Tuesday or something like that. Driving through the park, people are jogging, you know, having a good day, getting ready for the day, whatever. I rolled down my window and I was so stirred by it. I yelled out the window, you said Taco Bell. Like that. And when I said it, of course, there was a jogger there. He looked over at me, kind of weird looking and ran off in a different direction, you know? So, I mean, uh, they're probably thinking that that guy's just, he's losing it, man. He came to the park and he's just losing his mind. I was kind of losing something in my spirit, fear, lack, disappointment. When I called out to a father and said, you said Taco Bell, I didn't have to explain it. Our heavenly father knew it. Where you promised me in your word, you would be with me. You would make me lie down in green pastures. You would leave me beside still waters. You would restore my soul. Have you ever talked to God like that? Some people are afraid to. I'm not. Bible says in Hebrews, you can come into his, his presence with, with confidence because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Am I angry at God? No, I'm pleading. I'm God. Lord, no. I believe you and I believe your word. I have hidden your word. That's why when you hide his word in your heart, in the time of need, like Jesus in the wilderness, when you want to speak a word, the word of God comes out of your mouth, even more so an anchor such as a life scripture, a life word from the God. Will you stand? We always think we will. I mean, we think when we're in the crowd and... You know, Jesus is being crucified. Who should we release, Jesus or Barabbas? You know, that we, would, we wouldn't be yelling, Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. We'd be there, I'm sure, saying, Jesus, even though we're the only one in the crowd. Jesus, Jesus. And it's likely that they would have taken us to prison also or beat us or, or crucified us also as having been with him. But instead, we would probably be more like Peter. We'd be hiding and we'd be denying Christ three times. So we always wonder about that. We wonder if we were attacked by a foreign nation that came in and they wanted to get rid of Christianity and they came and burst into our church service. We always used to think these things in the 70s. You know, what would you do if the communists came in or the Marxists came in? They said, you must deny Christ or we're going to kill you. Of course, in our young minds, we'd say, I'd stand up for Jesus Christ. And maybe we would have. I don't know. The reality is, though, we may be just like the rest of the people. We would have denied Christ or said we do not know him. We are not with him. Why? Because our very soul, our very mind, our very spirit is weak because it lacks the bread of life. It lacks the word of God. But those, read Psalm 119 sometime, those who have saturated themselves in the word of God, I'm telling you, even if you just do, the verse of the day, can we not at least do that? You verse sends me something every day. I think uh, Gateway sends me something every day. Your verse of the day. Like if you, if, you, if you just stop 
and study that, meditate on it, chew on it. Like I mentioned last week and the week before, chew on the word of God. I'm telling you, you are building something within you that when the winds come, the waves come, you will not sink, you will not break, you will not fall. You will stand firm. Many are falling right now. Many are falling right now because they haven't taken in the word of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is very powerful. It doesn't speak to this specifically, but tangentially it does. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The Bible says our minds are washed by the word of God. The renewing of your mind is through the word of God. The word of God will help you think straight. The word of God will align you like a plumb line, perfectly aligned with the love, liberty, and life of Jesus Christ. You will not be susceptible to licentiousness. You'll not be susceptible to legalism. You will be susceptible to love. In fact, you become a doulos of the love of Christ. You are enslaved by the love of Jesus Christ. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Colossians takes it a little further in chapter 3, verse 1. says, if then you were raised with Christ, Speaking of the resurrection, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And here's the key part. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. We're in the midst of a great cultural war. Second Timothy says that in the last days, perilous times will come. I'll leave you know we're in the last days right now. Perilous times, in other words, there's epochs, seasons of peril. For men will be lovers of themselves. Narcissism is one of the top words that is used today. And without a doubt, it's being used in some ways properly where people are just in love with themselves. My image, how I look, how other people see me, how many likes I have. Is my hair in place? Do I have the right shoes on? Do I have the right hairstyle? I don't want to look weird. I don't want to look uncool. I want to look really uh, fitting in in the proper way with my culture. So we are lovers of self, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control. Obesity is rampant in the United States. We have no control over our physical bodies. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors. My goodness, Paul is really getting deep here. Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people, the Bible says in 2 Timothy, turn away. Well, the Lord doesn't want me to do it. No, he does want you to turn away from those who are getting uh, so uh, 
caught up in the idolization of the culture. It's hit our worship communities. It's hit our preaching communities. It's hit the way the church is. We're more concerned about what people think, what newcomers think. We have seeker-sensitive churches all over the world instead of having spirit-sensitive churches. If we invite the spirit and he shows up in the true power that he says he will show up in, you will not have a problem attracting people. So what's it say in Scripture? Such people turn away, verse 10, but you, say but you right now, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. Verse 14, but you, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing that from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. This is the part you need to hear. You have known the Holy Scriptures. Some of you, that's the only biblical background you have is what you got in Sunday school or catechism or whatever it might be. You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able, which are able, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He is calling us to stand on the word of God. Are you standing? Will you stand? The Bible says Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I mean, we are moving into this season of chaos that I prophesied last Friday. I mean, we're coming into a difficult time. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to test, I said Friday, it's going to test our metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, our metal. The core of who you are will be tested. The core of what you believe. So many people are being stressed out right now and they're they're falling away from the, the very core of what they believe. But let me tell you something. I'm telling you that you will remain steady in the storm. Why? Because you have the word of God, the spirit of God in you. You will have wisdom in the time of need. Why? Because of the word of God and the spirit of God within you. You will stand when the moment calls for a voice. You will stand and you will lift your voice. And Jesus' movement is emerging right now with a voice. You're going to speak up. And it's going to sound like love, but it's also going to sound holy. And it's going to be convicting. And it's going to stir people to the depths of their heart. And the billion-soul harvest will be kicked off in these end times. God is looking now. We call forth Esther's to emerge. Esther's who will say yes. Esther's who will lift their voice. Joseph's who will emerge and lift their voice. Noah who will emerge and build something no one else is building. Nehemiah who repaired the streets to dwell in. A John the Baptist will emerge calling people to repentance. Mary will emerge with spontaneous using words and singing like the Magnificat with scripture all over the place. A Peter will emerge saying, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, connecting the word of God to the moment right now. Right now we can say, this is like Esther 9.1. When people rose up to crush the Jews, to destroy the Jews, the Bible says the opposite happened. 
and instead the enemies of the Jews were crushed. I speak right now this attack upon America, that this is a day right now, this is a season right now, where it appears like it's a very difficult season we're going to. We declare in the name of Jesus the opposite will occur, and those enemies of what's truth, what's good, and what's righteous for this nation, they will be silenced in the name of Jesus. Will you emerge? That's the question. Will you emerge? Will you trust on the Word of God? First King says, Blessed be the Lord, who's given rest to his people, Israel, according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. Psalm 33 says, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap, and he lays up in the deep storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. You will stand fast. Get into the word of God. Join a Bible study. Join a small group. Join a church. Listen to the preaching of the word. Take notes. Open your Bible. Look at it. Read it yourself. Every day, make notes inculcated into your very soul. I can tell you one thing. I'm not saying your future is going to be rosy all the time. But in the difficult, challenging times, you will stand right now, whatever you're facing. Trust the word of God. Remember what he told you. Remember what you read. Remember the characters of the Old and New Testament. They stood the test of time by the word of God. Lord, let your blessing go out. Right now, anyone listening to just haphazardly stumbled across this, this is for them, Lord, right now. This day is changing your life. Open the Bible. Open the word of God. Watch how he begins to speak to you. God bless you. Have a great day, and I'll see you again on the next podcast. This is Steve Witt for Bethel Cleveland. Love you. (laughs) 